You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5. We are in a series that was a bit interrupted by Palm Sunday and Easter, which is okay. But we're doing it it in a great series on righteousness. (coughs) Righteousness. Most of God's people who are righteous do not have any idea what righteousness means. Right standing with God. It means that you have been made right. You might act right and you might not, but you have been made right. Babies are born right. How many of you know that they don't always act right? Has to learn how to act. But you get the gift of righteousness the, the moment you're born again. But i got news for you. No matter how, how, how humble your beginning is, Frank Feach brought me this word today. God is love. Make that an acronym, L-O-V-E. He's the Lord of victorious endings. Amen. Amen. God's love is going to make you go all the way. Let's talk about some of the, some of the products of righteousness by faith. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to back up and let you, let you say two words with, with me there. Justified. Say justification. And peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. Wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Remember now, all you did to get righteous was exchange your faith for for God's righteousness. You just exchanged your faith for God's righteousness. What made us unrighteous? Well, Everybody says, we ate the apple. Ate that bad apple. No, that's not, that's not what caused it. That's not what caused it. Something before that happened. Not exactly. It wasn't exactly eating the forbidden fruit. It was something else. The Lord was less concerned that, that they had eaten the fruit, but then why they ate the fruit. The why they ate the fruit is because they got into unbelief. The why is how they lost their righteousness and how they lost their relationship with God. So Abram came along and gave God his faith. Abram came along and gave God his faith. And God gave Abraham his righteousness in exchange. It was an exchange that God made. Righteousness you get as an exchange for your faith. 
exchange. You, you trade with God. He's a great trading partner. He always makes sure you get the best end of the deal. I heard about a woman that was driving across northern Arizona in the, in the desert lands, across the reservation, been long and lonely driving. She saw a, a, a Navajo woman hitchhiking, walking along the highway, and she stopped and pulled over and thought she could use the company, you know, let this old, this old Navajo woman in her, in her car. Navajo woman looked down at the seat at a package the woman had and the woman said if you're wondering what that is it's a bottle of wine I got it for my husband Navajo woman said good trade <laughs> amen I made a good deal with God, too. I made a good trade with God. Better than a bottle of wine for a man. I traded my faith for his righteousness. Yes. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. Yes. Three products of faith by righteousness by faith. Three products. Justification, peace, and grace. Justification, peace, and grace. Let's read the verse again. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You needed, justif you needed justification because that settles your past. Peace stabilizes your present, and grace secures your future. I'll say it again. Justification settles your past. Peace stabilizes your present. And grace secures your future. God was thinking about you past, present, and future. Your past looks like Jesus' past to God. Peace means you can live in this life knowing God loves you. And the Lord, and He is the Lord of victorious endings. Glory to God of all the events of life. And grace says, he's going to make sure you make it to heaven. He's going to make sure you make it to heaven. You cannot make sure you, you, you can make it to heaven. God wants you in heaven immeasurably. How many of you want to go to heaven? Let me see your hands. God wants you in heaven immeasurably more than you want to go, than you want to be there. He wants you there immeasurably more than you want to be there. As much as you want to go, God wants you there many times more. So He is ensuring that you go there. You have access into the grace by faith. That the promise may be sure, He said in another place, that the promise may be sure to all the seed. This grace thing is not a hope so deal. Jesus didn't try to save us. He didn't try to redeem us. He did redeem us. He did save us. You hear me? Justification is a judicial term. Which means it's like you never did anything wrong. That's a nice product of righteousness, isn't it? Justification is a nice product of righteousness. It means when God looks at you, He never sees that you ever did anything wrong. And my mama still does. She loves me. 
Every now and then she reminds me of how rebellious I was as a kid. She can't get over it. You got a mama? She ever reminds you what you were like when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. I heard the story about a wealthy American who went to Europe and wanted to have the finest car made. So he went to England first and bought a Rolls Royce. Had him ship it across the English Channel to Europe to, to France. <coughs> he started driving around, driving around Europe in this new Rolls Royce. And the thing broke down on him. He called him and said, hey, I got a brand new Rolls Royce and it broke down on me. On a, I'm on the side of the road. In a few hours, a man, a technician showed up, <coughs> raised the hood on that Rolls Royce, fixed it, put the hood, put the bonnet down, they call it, and said, go, sir. He said, what do I owe you? He said, I'll just settle up with the company, company later. So he drove on. He did his tour, shipped his car and himself back to America afterwards, and waited, waited. Months went by, six months went by, I think. He finally called the company and said, hey, I owe you something for, for sending that repairman out to fix my Rolls Royce. They said, we have no record of that. He said, yeah, you see, it must have cost a lot of money to send a repairman from, from London to, uh, to Paris to fix my car. He said, sir, we have no record of that. In fact, we have no record that anything ever has gone wrong, wrong with the Rolls Royce. <laughs> Amen. 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 They don't keep records of when it goes bad. They, they learned something from God, didn't they? Yeah. It does God no good to keep records of your past. It, 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 it's a better thing for him if he can say, I find no fault in him. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. It's better for heaven to look at us that way. Romans chapter 4. Let's put that up, up there. Roman, Romans 4, 6. And seven, Romans four, six, seven, and eight. Just three verses from Romans four. I'll just read it to you. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, "Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered." Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I said that's a pretty good man. That's a blessed man. It did not say, "Blessed is the man who 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 has." who uh, does not sin, it said, blessed is the man to whom God will not impute sin. Amen. If he doesn't sin and God doesn't impute sin to him, then he, that's just his payment. There's no blessing in getting paid. You earn that. But grace comes in when you have sinned and God refuses to acknowledge it. Amen. Glory to God. This is what the gospel really brought to bear on, on mankind. The grace of God God reconciled himself to mankind once and for all. He hath perfected forever those who are being sanctified by one offering. Not your offering, not your sacrifice, but the sacrifice Jesus made. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. You're hearing the real gospel today because Christ died for your sins. You don't have to die for your sins. Christ died for your sins. And he was buried. That means he took them far away from you. And he rose again the third day which means they're never coming back. 
He reigns victorious over you to get you to heaven, not to keep you in line. You will be in line because love keeps you in line. Love keeps you in line. How many of you here have a favorite football team? That's almost, if you're an Oklahoman, you've got to have a football team. That's about all we have up here. <laughs> you love your team? How many of you are Sooners fans? Let me see the Sooners fans. How many Cowboys fans? Dallas Cowboys, I mean. We love our Cowboys. If I, and let me tell you something. If I moved to Washington, D.C., if I moved to Washington, D.C., I would be a Cowboy fan. Yeah, I would. I would not be a Redskin fan. Well, see, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to make you look bad. I didn't want to make you look bad up here in the Sooner country. I knew they'd just be a smattering few. <laughs> you root for them not because you're afraid not to. You root for them because you love them. God is rooting for you today. Not because He's afraid not to, but because He loves you. He's rooting for you. Love makes you walk right with God. If you love God, you don't love somebody who's, who demands, love me, love me, love me. You wind up hurting, you wind up hating that person. <laughs> Getting a little help this morning. When you, when you, uh, you love somebody, you love them because you want to. Not because they demand it. In the old covenant, God would say, Thou shalt love the Lord your God. Amen. You love, gotta love me. They couldn't love him because he demanded it. How many of you women, women love a man who demands you to love him? No, no, that's not why you love him. Not, 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 no, no. I never met a girl that would love a guy like that. Cannot love somebody who demands you love them. You love somebody who makes himself irresistible. Amen. That's who love who you get love from is the one who loves you irresistibly. God has found himself to be love incarnate in Christ. We see him loving us by dying for us. We cannot but, but say yes to him. I live holy. I do. I have a couple of vices. I like to kiss Miss Ann a lot. I like to smooch more than I should, probably. <laughs> she doesn't look up. She, just, she, she keeps looking down. I live holy because, not because I'm afraid of God. All through the Old Testament, it talks about the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. And they never could live holy. The New Testament is full of the love of, the, the love of God. The love of God. And you find men laying down their lives for this love. Living holy as holy can be.
Because when Jesus died, <coughs> he did not go directly, directly to heaven. This is an interesting point. Jesus, when he died, he did not just go back to heaven. The gospel is real. You understand that God made him to be sin for us, like the scripture says in first, Second Corinthians 5, 21. It says, God made Christ to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we, we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Okay? God conferred all of our sins over onto Jesus. There's something in the law called double jeopardy. <laughs> if you get convicted of a crime and, and uh, are, are charged with a crime, let's say, and you go to court and you get acquitted, you're completely acquitted for, for that crime. Then later they find, out, find other evidence. Do you know they cannot retry you for that crime? other evidence that proves you're guilty, they cannot try you for that crime. Because that would be what our forefathers called double jeopardy. If once you're tried and found guilty or innocent, that's your penalty and that's all that ever can happen to you. They cannot add to that or take, take away from it. You hear me? Yeah. It's a one-time deal. Ah, uh, hear me. Every sin you committed... God blamed Jesus for. Tried him and executed him for your crimes, for your sins. So you could walk away free. And you can never be held responsible again for anything you've ever done or ever will do because it had to be futuristic because <clears throat> all of us were born after Jesus died. All of my sins came after he died. His sins must have been paying for all the sin every direct, direction all the time. You understand? Had to be. I can't be saved by faith today if he wasn't paying for the sins of the future. His blood covered it all. Went all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Rode it all the way back to Adam so that you could be free from sin. Wow, what a thought about that. But when he died then, he didn't go to heaven because he died like a sinner. Jesus went into hell, the Bible says. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. Or you can wait for it to come up on the screen. Hebrews 2, 9 and 10. 9 and 10. Hebrews 2, 9 and 10 says, But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. He became the perfect captain of salvation by suffering. He didn't have to suffer. He was God in the flesh. He didn't have to suffer. But he did it to be perfect, perfectly tied to us. And the Bible says he tasted death for every man. Listen to me close. That cannot mean the death of the, 
the, the, the natural death, the death of your body. It cannot mean that because Christians are dying every day and going to, going to gra- graveyards, are they, are they not? Right. You know, Christians, right now today, there'll be some Christians die and they'll take them to the graveyard. Jesus did not die to save us from that yet. He did not eventually. But He died to save us from the spiritual death. Amen. That's why He had to go to hell. He had to go to hell so you would never have to go. Glory to God. Are you hearing me? He tasted your death. He tasted your separation from God. He tasted, tasted your eternal death so you wouldn't have to do it. He did everything He did for us to make us right with God. This cannot merely mean physical death. It just can't mean that because when Jesus died, He went to hell. What a thought. God's own Son in hell. But when he got there, justice began to cry out. Yeah. Justice started looking through the records. And said, wait a minute. We got one here that hasn't sinned. How'd he get here? His sin was reckoned on him. It was reckoned on him. Yeah, but we can't hold him if he didn't sin. Yeah, but he was accused of sin. Yeah, but how did that happen? God made a reckoning up topside. God made a reckoning and laid the sins of the whole world of all mankind over onto him. Oh, no, we went into the hands of, the, of God. Played right into his plan. The devil didn't know what, he was going, what was happening. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, no, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, Had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They would not have crucified him. They wouldn't have done that because they didn't know what was going on. They had no idea that Jesus was taking away our sins and that he was going to go to hell. They thought, that, they thought they'd kill him and he'd shoot back off to heaven, but they didn't. God had reckoned him to be sin and he went to hell. Amen. That's a powerful thought. God had a plan that the devil knew nothing about. Jesus gave us an idea about it, though, in the Lord's Prayer. I want you to turn there. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read it to you. Most of you probably have it memorized. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Jesus said, Our Father, let's do it together, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <coughs> I got something really strange about this prayer that bothers me. It used to bother me bad. In the tradition I was raised in, they always told me, you cannot come to God with sin in your life. You cannot come to God with sin in your life. You've got to get cleaned up, get all that unconfessed sin out of your life before you come, up, before you come to God. Can I show up in His presence with sin in your life? They said, anybody hear that? You heard that, hadn't you? Yeah, that's what they told us. Here's Jesus saying, call Him Father. Say, hallowed be that. Worship Him. <clears throat> Ask Him for your stuff. Talk to Him about His kingdom before you ever say anything about your sin. How is that sin thing so deep in that prayer? 
He said, our father. Wait, 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 wait. You have sin. I know, but I'm still calling him my father. Hallowed be thy name. Hey, you can't worship God without sin in your life. Yeah, Jesus said it could. Are you hearing me? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be. Talking about what God wants, the big stuff, the kingdom. Hey, who do you think you are? You got sin. You got a sin you got to deal with. The, the devil talks like that. That's how the devil talks. Jesus kept on. He said, now ask him for what you need. Give us this day our daily, daily bread. Oh God, you don't know how to pray at all, Jesus. My tradition says we've we got to talk about sin first. Get that out of the way. You see, this is people who think that sin is, sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. There are people in this world who believe that sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Righteousness is far more powerful than sin. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Everybody say, justification is mine. It deals with your past. It's a, it, it, it obliterates your past. And gives you the record of Jesus in your past. Second thing is peace. Peace, he says. What did the verse say? Read it again, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. We have peace with God. This is not talking about peace of mind. It's talking about the relationship between God and man. God made peace with us, meaning the war is over. If you can implement this in your life, the truth of this, this is the word irene, Greek, Greek word meaning peace, irene, E-I-R-E-N-E. -E. Your Aunt Irene's name means peace. I hope she's a peaceable person. Irene means a state of national tranquility and end to the rage and havoc of war. A state of national tranquility and end. Everybody say, and end. And end to the rage and havoc of war. The gospel is called the gospel of peace. The gospel that you, you hear that says repent, repent, repent is not the gospel of Christ. That may be the gospel of the kingdom, but it's not the gospel of grace. You remember that Jesus washed the disciples' feet in preparation for something. When you wash your feet, why do you do it? You wash your feet to go to, go to bed... Or to, go, or to put on your shoes. You wash your feet in preparation for something. You hear me? Jesus washed his disciples' feet in preparation for something. They had been taught the gospel of the kingdom. And Paul said, 
shod yourself with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So that day when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he was preparing them for a different message. Message of the gospel of peace. A preparation for the gospel of peace. It's a kind of foot baptism. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. The gospel that <coughs> took away our sins. <coughs> Not just had us, had us have to uh, repent of them all the time. If Christ, since Christ, has taken away your sins, there's nothing for you to repent of. Your faith is all the repentance you need. Your faith equals repentance because your faith equals righteousness. Are you hearing me? Your faith equals righteousness. So there's no need for repentance in that sense to be saved. The need is for faith. All the people who, who preach repentance, when I show them this in the Word of God, most of them have trouble repenting. They preach it all the time, but they won't do it when they see the truth. I show them the truth. Paul never told anybody to repent, except that, that repentance was part of the deal, because when you have faith, you are repenting. Right. Repentance does not mean feel sorry for your sins. Repentance means change the way you think. Yeah. Metanoia is the only, only word ever translated repentance in the New Testament. It means to change the way you think. If you'll get into faith, you'll do all the repenting you need to do. Right. Amen. Repentance never made Judas. Judas repented his guts out, and did not make him. Did not make him righteous, did it? Did not, did not make him righteous. It won't. Faith makes you righteous. Faith in God makes you righteous. Believing that Jesus took away your sins. Jesus took away all my sins. Glory to God. He said in Ephesians six fourteen, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. And having on the breast, breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's another reason why when Paul came to Ephesus, Paul came to Ephesus, he found disciples there. Now turn, turn to Ephesians 19:1. Look at this. See what it says. 19:1. If it, um, uh, Acts 19.1, I'm sorry. Ephesians has six chapters. <laughs> Acts 19.1, but it's about the Ephesian church. Acts 19.1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, read, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said, Unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? They said, uh, John's baptism. Meaning John the Baptist. Which was a baptism of repentance. Same one that Jesus' disciples baptized with while Jesus was on the earth. Then, Paul, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto them, unto the people that they should Believe on him which should come after him. That is, on Christ Jesus. What was, the, what was the key word? Believe. Believe on Christ. And after that, when they heard this, they were baptized again in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Baptism of repentance apparently is not a Christian baptism. Not a Christian baptism. It's a, it's a Jewish baptism. And Paul said it didn't work for these Ephesians, so he rebaptized them. It did not work for these, for these Ephesians. He rebaptized them. It wouldn't work for Okies either. Our Longhorn fans. Might work for Longhorn fans. I don't know. Never ever once does Paul call the Ephesian church disciples after that. He writes this letter with six chapters in it. Let me tell you all the things he calls the Ephesian believers there. He calls them saints. He calls them chosen. I read through it myself to find out what, it, what all he called them. I listed all the things he called them. He called them holy, blameless, beloved, adopted children, the church, sealed, his body. He called them the saved. He called them his workmanship. He called them the new man. He called them fellow citizens, the household of God, the holy temple, habitation. He called them fellow heirs, partakers, light in the Lord. He called them wise. He called them members, but he never once ever called them disciples. Never ever once. Disciples are people who follow God. I don't follow God. I'm here to tell you today, I don't follow God. God lives inside me. He goes with me. I'm not following Him. He's inside me. Come on, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is good theology. Those who follow God need to get saved. Get God on the inside. Stop following Him. Amen. Disciples are followers. Children of God have God inside. Amen. 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 Come on, somebody say amen. This is good news today. Righteousness is bigger than that. Bigger than just a follower. In fact, the word of disciple does not appear anywhere outside the Gospels and the book of Acts. Peter, James, John, Paul, Jude, none of them ever used the word disciple again. As the, all the books after the book of Acts, they never use the word again. Amen. Third thing is grace. Justification, peace, and grace. Grace is defined like this. Unmerited, everybody say unmerited. unmerited. Unearned. Unmerited. Undeserved. Unmerited. Favor. Favor. Amen. That means God likes you and you can't do anything about that. He will hunt you down to pour His blessings on you. The favor of God means grace belongs to you. Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You see, grace is much more, more powerful than sin. That as sin hath it reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness. 
grace reigns through the righteousness that's been given to you. That means if faith is if grace is reigning, grace is the king. Grace is in charge of your life. Grace is the Lord of your life. Romans 5, 21, 19, 20, and 21. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Justification, peace, and grace. It sounds like this in the gospel. For I delivered first unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Justification settles your past, peace stabilizes your present, and grace secures your future. Amen. Thank you, my Father. Thank you for this great audience of believers. Those you made righteous the moment we believed. And our repentance came the moment we believed. And we were made right with God by your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and by our faith in Him. You believed it first, Father, that Jesus could take away our sins. And when we believed it, we became like you. Thank you, Father. I'm going to pray the prayer today to send you out. I'm going to make the normal declaration. I want to pray it like I used to pray it all, all the, the time. Father in heaven, I thank you that you made us ahead and not the tail, above and not beneath, first, not last. Victors no longer victims. I thank you that you blessed us in our coming in. Now you bless us in our going out. Thank you that though our enemies come against us in one direction, they'll have to flee in seven. Because we were blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in our basket, blessed in the storehouse, and everything our hand touches prospers. Thank you, Father, that, Father dear, that you make the cause of mountains and the hills to break forth with singing, and the trees of the field to clap their hands as the people of God go forth with joy, armed and dangerous with the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen.